I guess I couldn't blame Danvir for trying to steal a march on me, but putting a pathetic little rat like his PA on the case was a pretty stupid move. If Vikram had been the mastermind behind the kidnapping, or even in direct contact with the kidnappers, then sending this guy blundering in could have spooked them all big style. I looked up and down the street, but the bloke was nowhere to be seen. I wasn't exactly surprised. I'd wanted him to deliver a back-off-arsehole message from me to Mr. Twatface Gooder, but it could wait. In fact, I was making progress. I could confidently cross Vikram off my list of suspects, and I now knew that Danvir was also in the clear for the snatch. But I still wondered why he was so desperate to find Mina. Okay, you could say he was just being a concerned uncle, but I didn't buy that. I don't think he had me down as an incompetent buffoon, and the fact that DK rated me must have showed him that I was the right man for the job. So why was he not prepared to sit back and let me handle the case? He seemed way too much of a cold fish to be bothered about Mina's safety, but maybe he needed the marriage to go ahead ASAP so he could claim DK's protection if, as DK had hinted, the guy had overstretched himself and some lowlifes were coming to call in his debts. That made sense to me, because DK took family seriously, and if he and Danvir were related by marriage, then he wouldn't throw him to the wolves. That would have resulted in him losing face, and DK hadn't got to where he was by letting people take the piss. But, if the marriage never happened, then DK would be under no obligation to pull Danvir's chestnuts out of the fire. So now I was betting the kidnapping was all to do with Danvir's troubles. However, that was as may be. In the meantime... As I've already mentioned, I had to get myself down to Heathrow and call in a favour from an old DPG mate who'd landed himself a well-cushy job as head of security for Britain's car-parking people. He ran a reasonably tight operation down at the airport car parks, and I was hoping he'd let me have a deco at the CCTV for the time the kidnapping took place. An hour or so later, I found myself in Derek Smallwood's office. Derek was a buff, red-faced, hearty guy who always seemed to be in with the people who mattered. I thought he was a smarmy bastard myself, but I'd always made a point of staying in his good books when we worked together at the DPG. I was hoping that was going to stand me in good stead now. We didn't notice anything at the time, but then we don't spend all day gawping at Rosa Park cars. My guys are supposed to, but they'd go boss-eyed and batty if they did. Anyway, we also patrol the bays on a regular basis, and nobody reported anything amiss. He shrugged. But seeing as you've asked nicely, and you're going to make a nice donation to our Widows and Orphans Fund, I'll check it out for you. I smiled and winked at him. No problem, mate. My employer is footing the bill, so let's do it, eh? He pulled up the CCTV footage onto the screen, and after a few seconds, a figure came scurrying along with a hood pulled low over his head. He ducked down behind an SUV. Looks like chummy to me, said Derek who never let a chance to state the bleeding obvious go by if he could help it. Then two young Asian women came into the shot. It was Aisha and Mina. They were arm in arm and chatting happily. Suddenly the hoodie leapt out and grabbed Mina. Aisha tried to pull her back, but the guy gave her a shove and Aisha stumbled backwards. Then a car drew up alongside the hoodie, who opened the door and bundled Mina inside before jumping into the front passenger seat. The car shot off and the whole thing was over in less than thirty seconds. A distressed Aisha pulled her mobile out of her bag and made a call. Then she beat her hands on the SUV in what looked like a show of anger and frustration before climbing in and driving off. It was all pretty much how she had described it, except for one thing. Derek hit playback and then froze the picture on a particular frame. 
the bad guys have slipped up a bit there, he said, tapping the screen with his pen. I leaned forward and took a closer look. Derek was right. The number plate did have a coating of mud on it, just like Aisha said. But whoever had slapped mud on it hadn't done a very good job, as it was still just about readable. Somebody obviously hadn't wanted to get their hands, or more likely, their clothes dirty. It struck me as amateurish, and I said so. Derek sneered. It's probably a couple of coked-up kids who've been paid a few bob to do the snatch. I expect they've nicked the car, so what do they care? I nodded, but said, Can you get someone to run a PNC check on the plate for me, Dell? Derek breathed in sharply. That's a big ask, mate. Do you know how many coppers and support staff have been done for misusing the police national computer in the last year or so? I said I didn't. He sat back and stared at me. And you don't want to know either.